Andrew McGahan here for Severe MMA. The pride of Limerick, the young man named Sean Sheehan. The Severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 79 of the Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Andrew McGahan joined, as always, by Sean Sheehan. Sean, are you there? Yes, of course you're there. Hello, Andrew. I am here. How, How are, are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm very good now. I have to say, just yeah. one quick thing. I was very impressed I was able to get that sentence out coherently because it was all in the space. Like, you, as you know, I had just stopped yawning about half a second before I said episode 79. And do you know when ju- you're just after a yawn and there's a fear that there could be a second little yawn yeah. coming afterwards? I was really worried we were going to have to redo that intro. That's always a problem I have on this podcast when talking to you, Andrew. So what, yawning? I <laughs> falling asleep? I know, I know that very well. Do you know what's, what's, what you need, though, to stop you from yawning? What? Some supplements and things oh. like that. So a bit of, bit of vitamin D. Oh, you, know, you fucking like humpty whore. You're way ahead of yourself this I weekend. But I agree with you completely. Something to keep me going. Exactly. Something to perk me up a little bit. Once the Red Bull addiction phases out and I stop drinking 15 cans of Red Bull a day, I don't actually do that, by the way, I just decided to go go natural, Sean. I'm on the good supplements now, the good stuff. We got sorted out. What did you get? OrosNutrition.com. <gasps> oh, I heard they're good. They are very, very good. Proud uh, friends and sponsors of the Severe MMA podcast are OrosNutrition.com. Head on over to their website for absolutely anything you need workout related fitness related if you're just going to the gym as a casual user they have different uh, supplements recommended sorry different supplements recommended for you to take depending on your own goals what you want to achieve in the gym if you're a GA player if you're a rugby player a soccer player any sort of athlete they have categories dependent on your sport as well so Sean if you are if you're in pre-season for GA and you're doing massive amount of running and training is just fitness and bleep tests and stuff like that ROS have the supplements that you need and they're all categorized as well very various different types of proteins both whey and plant-based excellent pre-workouts excellent drinks that you can take during your workout like the BCAs the the summer fruits I'm almost I don't know the difference between my BCA summer fruits and my Robinson's diluted summer fruits at this stage Sean that's how delicious they are that's good. Sure, you can't ask for any better than that, can you? you unless, Un- unless oh, oh, you got some money what? off. Money off? Yeah. Who told you about that? I heard it on the grapevine. I listened to the last fifty podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> right, and uh, if if let's say let's say some, I was going to say some poor soul, but some enlightened soul exactly. stumbles upon the Severe MMA podcast for the first time this week. Tell them about the discount code. Well. If you use a promo code SEVEREMMA at rosnutrition.com, you get 25% off your first order. A quarter. And where, like, do they, do they put rosnutritionseveremma.com in? How do they do it? Is it you a You go onto the website. A coupon? You pick out what you want. You add, click add to cart. You pick out all your stuff, right? Then you go to cart, go to checkout, right? And at the bottom of the, the thing there, where before you put in your credit card details or your PayPal or whatever, it'll say, do you have a promo code? And into that box, you click S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A. And you, it'll, you click the button and it'll give you the 25% off there and then. Amazing. Boom. 
And do you know what else you can do at BetOrRestNutrition.com, Sean? What? You can head on over to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all your favorite social medias. They are all over it. Head on over to the website as well. They've got some particularly interesting recipes for healthy food uh, healthy food recipes as well. Sort of cheaty style desserts where you're using protein powder. Um, I actually looked at them for the first time last night. It was odd. I forgot. I've never gotten the Facebook page. They have these little um, bounty coconut kind of uh, dessert things. They look delicious. I want one of them. You should make them. Yeah. Or I should send you a care package of them. Yeah, the, you probably actually have to make them yourself. Like I think you, I didn't actually look at the ingredients, but I think you so. Know, as the a fresh s- things, but I, they look nice. I think we spoke about it, but as a side of ORS Nutrition, um, one of the guys Dara has a side company where he sells little jars full of ingredients, and it's you know when you ever see them balls that are mashed up like the ones you're talking about. Yeah. So he sells all of those things in a jar like layered on top of each other unprocessed so you can use an x amount of dates x amount of nuts seeds stuff like that and it's just all like rolled that. up into an oh sean Khaled is all over snap is all over snapchat here on the severe MMA podcast we're not letting that become a thing we are yeah I like no that we're definitely I, not I, I love it honestly love we're it. really not i like that oh dear <laughs> rosnutrition.com 25% off your first order and speaking of ordering things online Sean by the time this podcast drops every single Severe MMA t-shirt has already been sent out that has been ordered through us unfortunately I was like that guy who flew for the sun but his wings melted or whatever like that it is impossible to keep track of DMs and hi yes this is the size so in rather breaking news I'd say the time this podcast is live on Tuesday or the middle of Monday night, depending on when you're listening, there will be links available through all Severe MMA social channels to go online and purchase your Severe MMA t-shirt, limited edition t-shirt. So that's been sorted out. International shipping's a bit of an expensive bitch, Sean. Mm. Found that out over the last while. So to our listeners abroad, you will now have the facility to be able to order a t-shirt as well over on um check out our facebook and our twitter pages we'll have the link there it, it is a shopify link but i think it's going to be embedded into the website as well nice. so there'll be loads of places to buy it here from. i have a good story about international shipping actually oh I, uh, it's funny actually i'm wearing a t-shirt now right? I, I about maybe two or three years ago i went on like the nfl shop.com you know you can buy loads of nfl stuff so i like bought like you know, I said the shipping was like 30 quid or something. So I said I'd buy a good bit of stuff, you know, rather than like, you know, buying now and then buy again in like six months or something. So I bought like 150 or 200 quid's worth of stuff. I think it was actually more like 250 quid's worth of stuff, including shipping and all. So that was grand anyway. Ordered it. Like a month later, it still hadn't arrived. So I emailed them and they were like, oh, it's on its way. Like two more weeks. It was like six weeks, still hadn't arrived. So I emailed them back and I was like, this is not coming. This is obviously being lost because it was due to come in like two to three weeks. It was the shipping. So I was like, it's not coming. Send it again. And they were like, OK, we'll send it again. So they sent it, right? The next morning it arrived. Oh, so you got double okay. stuff. <laughs> you know, but this is what happened, right? Um, <laughs> I, I emailed them back uh, because I hadn't, you know, you get like a confirmation letter of, oh, it's been sent, you know, it's been dispatched. So I emailed them back, don't send it. I got the stuff, it's grand. And they were like, oh, it's already been sent. You, you'll you just have to send it back. And I was like, not a fucking hope. <laughs> I was, it's like a huge, big box. Like it was, it's a huge box. And I was like, that's going to cost me like 50 euro to send that to America, probably more even. I was like, oh, they were like, we'll pay it. And I was like, no, you can come, you can send the courier to my house. I'll hand it to them and they can take it away. 
and they were like oh we couldn't do that we wouldn't know who to contact in Ireland and I was like look fine it's here if you want it and they were like I, I, this is on the phone now. I rang someone up because they were sending like emails back and forth and they were like get, let me get my manager and the manager came out and was like look as <laughs> as a gesture of appreciation we're going to let you have both packages <laughs> both for free packages so for I got free. double stuff I got 500 euro worth of stuff you for, are uh, a, a piece of work Sheehan yeah Deadly. That's why I've, that's why you always see me in green bed hacker stuff because I have like two of the same t-shirts, two of the same jumpers, two of the same. I think I've I've um, a pair of shorts as well and some other stuff as well. It's NFL gear is quite nice. It is, yeah, and it's it's really well made as well. Like I have a t-shirt on now, I have a New York Giants t-shirt, and I have like I have it. I think even before I ordered before that ones. I think I have it like three years maybe, and it's still perfect. I had um remember do you know the way there's like bogey websites that sell yeah. shoes and stuff like that and basketball jerseys and NFL jerseys like not like AliExpress but like le- even less reputable Football than AliExpress. Fanatics, I think well. Yeah, just yeah. loads of stuff like that. I can remember we put in an ordi or an ordi an order for GA not GA jerseys NFL jerseys imagine ordering counterfeit GA jerseys from <laughs> AliExpress. I bet you have been well, Fiend, make up the Armagh under-21s kit there for me. We'll um, get, get five grand off the county board. We'll put four of it in our back pocket. <laughs> That's a, Oh, my God. That's, there's definitely been corruption uh, in Ireland for that yet. Of course. <laughs> so, you're being allocated six grand for the training gear for the year now, lads. No hassle. I'll get that for 200 off AliExpress. <laughs> we get and me- I'm going to McGregor's <laughs> next fight. We get Mickey to write up a, a, a receipt for us saying we paid him six grand for the jerseys. Be grand. Be fine. Oh, <laughs> That's outstanding. Sean. Yeah. So the idea of counterfeit GAA jerseys is largely underwhelming, in my opinion. Very similar to a welterweight division that's ruled by Tyrone Woodley. Yeah. It, like, when guys win UFC championships, it's usually like, it's this amazing thing. It's like, all right, he's come from nowhere to win this title. Or it's, this is going to be an exciting one. Like, when McGregor won, it was like, okay, you know, there's going to be loads of shit talk. It's going to be so good. It's going to be great. Like, even when Carmier won, when Jones was, I was like, oh, my God, this means the rematch is going to come. We're going to have this, uh, another big thing. Like, when Stipe won it, it's, oh, we've new, you know, we have a young breed coming in now, going to win it. When Dominic Cruz won it, this great comeback. It's, you know, it's, it's brilliant. This, this guy who came from... You know, he was down and out to come back. But when Tyron Woodley won it, it was just a wave of sadness over everyone, I think. And it was compounded by his press conference afterwards when he was like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight Nick Diaz or George St. Pierre and not the the best fighter in the world who I know is going to beat me. Um, so, yeah, that's what I don't know. It was just weird. Like if. We'll talk about the fight first, I suppose. But, well, I uh, know we'll talk about this first, and then we'll get There's to the very fight. little to talk about <laughs> in the fight, Sean. <laughs> like it's it's kind of bad for everyone, but Tyron Woodley. I think only Tyron Woodley fans are happy. Tyron Woodley is is the is the champion of the world now. Like I'm not sad about it. It's great. Like I'm I'm happy for him. All seven like, of them. <laughs> seven of them. The thing about this is, which makes it worse as well. Like it makes it worse that he came out and said those comments afterwards, right? It makes it worse that he hasn't fought in like a year and he's threatening to sit out again if he doesn't get the fights that he wants. But what makes it worse altogether is Robbie Lawler was such an exciting champion. Like as there was a couple of people discussing on Twitter and I totally agreed with him. It was it's the most exciting championship run there's ever been. Just alone for the Robbie or for the Rory McDonald and Carlos Condor fights. 
those are two of the most epic fights to ever have be had in the UFC. The two Johnny Hendricks fights, well, both great fights. You know, this this is just an unbelievable run, and it's it's sad that it's over, and it's sad that Tyron Woodley has taken us. You know, taking of it off all him, the yeah. people that could have dis like taken yeah. the throne, like do you know what I mean? And just like I saw those discussions as well. I saw you engaging them. I had it last night with uh, two of my friends after work, and I said like the only thing I think that comes close to it was John Jones's finishing run, like when he took the Shogun fight on short notice. Do you know what I mean? And then just started finishing guys that he wasn't meant to finish in ways he wasn't meant to finish them. Do you know, I, like that's the only sort of comparison I can give to it in terms of an entertaining title run of maybe the last five years. Robbie Lawler, we spoke last, like we we hinted at it, we thought it could happen, like this is going to eventually happen, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That chin won't last forever, do you know? And uh, I think I said to you beforehand, there was 11 strikes thrown by Woodley in the fight. Eight of them landed and six of them including the knockdown, were the finishing flurry. So he landed two strikes on the feet before the finishing sequence. I'm not saying that it was a one and done, that it was a lucky shot. Robbie Lawler was caught lovely. It was a perfectly timed, over-the-top shot, put him down, and then swarmed on the finish. But to just... I feel like we could have been robbed... Like, if Robbie Lawler was going to lose his title in that fight... I felt like we were maybe robbed of a classic en route to him dropping that title, if that makes sense. Yeah. I Your point there about um, Woodley not throwing that many strikes, I actually think that's the reason he won. I think if Woodley had have come out and thrown a lot of overhand rights, he would have tired himself out and he would have made himself more predictable to Lawler. I think it was the fact that he threw so few that he timed them well. As you said there, yeah, it was the timing. And that was, I think that's the most important thing. You hit the nail on the head. Like, the problem with Woodley so often is you pressure him back and he can't time the counter right hand because you're pressuring him so well. Or you stay so far outside that he can't time it because he's reaching in. And I know people call him, you know, he's explosive, he's quick and everything. But if you stay so far out, you you know, it's impossible. But Lawler, ha- Lawler couldn't stay so far out because he's a bit slower than Woodley and he, you know, Woodley's probably better at closing the distance uh, over, like, closing the long distance. Lawler's good at closing the distance kind of step by step. But what Lawler had to do, and he tried to do it, was get inside on Woodley, try to push him up against the fence. He did it at one stage and Dan Morgliata just unbelievably kind of separated him for, for some odd reason. But, he, you know, he couldn't do it. He did it once, but he couldn't keep doing it. Like in Lawler, or um, I spoke about it last week. Woodley's his movement with his feet is so good to get off the fence and get around early doors. But you have to, you know, you have to be very, very careful with him early. And he, I think Woodley was being, or um, Lawler was being very careful. But the big mistake he made. I think was letting uh, Woodley put him, push him on the back foot for even a second. You can't do that early against Woodley. And Woodley did so well, to, not just to throw the right hand, but to faint before it. Like you heard Lawler saying about it afterwards. Someone asked him why he dropped his left hand. And he said he dropped his left hand to parry the jab. And he did that. But the jab wasn't really even thrown. It was a kind of a faint. And he fainted with the right and he fainted with the left. Both. And it kind of bamboozled Lawler. And then Woodley threw that big overhand right over the shot and knocked him out. And look, we, we said it last week. Everyone has say, uh, saying it. Woodley is so dangerous early. And if he catches you, you're going out no matter who you are. Now, 
the point as well about Lawler taking a lot of damage. In, you know, he's had a lot of wars. That's that's definitely a valid argument. And look, I've made it myself. We've all made it. But at the weekend, I don't think that really played its part. I don't think his chin was gone. You know, I think if anyone, if Nick Diaz, you know, he's a great chin. If the best chin in the world, George St. Pierre, who, well, maybe not George St. Pierre, but whoever had been hit with that shot, I think it would have put him out. I think it was just the way he fought, the way he got caught. Where, you know, the game plan didn't go right for him. I think that's why he got knocked out and, and why Woodley's the champion. I When you're talking about feints, he was doing it before that they had even uh, pushed up against the cage. You know, he was really, he was feeling them out within that first 45, 60 seconds. He was twitching. It was looking like he might have even, he was going for a level change. You know, he was level changing as if he maybe he was going to shoot. And just the way that Woodley fights, you know, the... He's a, a postural thing. Like I, I don't want to use the expression "duck arse," Sean, but he, the, has, he, yeah, he right, has he has an awful duck, duck arse on him now. In fairness, and it was I would that was the first refereeing decision that I was going to talk about as well. What was going on with Dan Morgliata separating them from the cage like that? Oh, yeah, that was so weird. Scandalous for like yeah. a couple of couple of dodgy calls throughout the night. But that was just I thought he'd give them no more than twenty seconds, twenty thirty seconds up against the cage. I was thinking, what is going on here? If we're looking back, I don't want to say on the the Robbie Lawler era, but Sean, I think you said earlier on, six title changes already in the UFC in 2016 alone. Many more title fights still to come. Potentially a lot more ch- belts changing hands. Is Tyrone Wood, like, let's just be honest here. If he wanted that Diaz fight on 21 days notice, is that would that officially be the shortest UFC title run when he lost to Nick Diaz? I don't know, actually. Daniel Bryan lost in 15 seconds to Sheamus at WrestleMania. So oh, yeah, that... so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, though. That's actually a good show. No I'd wonder. like to know what the, the shortest UFC title run is. Because if Tyron Woodley gets back in and takes those money fights, and, yeah, fair enough, you're getting paid, but you're not leaving with your belt. Do you know what I mean? And then if you do the opposite and you fight the number one contender, then you're also not leaving with your belt. Do you know what I mean? a fairly short run, didn't she? As well. Is. Let's ask Mike, Mike Bond. Mike Bond would know that, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's sort of thing that the shelf life of Tyrone Woodley's reign, in my opinion, <clears throat> isn't a long one. It's already near the expiry date, and he's only got the belt a while. And this sounds like I absolutely despise Tyrone Woodley or something, considering last week's and this week's podcast. But just the state of the welterweight division, which I know you want to touch on next, yeah. that for me is, it just shows that Woodley has, first of all, no easy fights, but also in my opinion, no real winnable fights at the top of the division. And he knows that if he's going to lose, he wants to get paid. That's why he wants Diaz or that's why he wants George St. Pierre. Yeah, like I have no problem. You know, people are saying, oh, people can't be picking their fights and stuff. I have no problem with people picking their fights. But the fights have to make sense. Like, you know, we spoke about Demetrius Johnson a while back and and, uh, Dominic Cruz. Like if they were to make a fight, you know, Go up and wait to make a fight. That you know that makes sense. The Dominic Cruz Uriah Faber fight. Maybe he didn't earn it, but that made sense. You know that's a money fight. You know McGregor going up to fight Dos Anjos to unify the belts. That you know that makes sense. When he didn't, when he was you know he had to fight Diaz because it was a short notice and he lost. Now that fight again makes sense because of that. You know if if Cormier was to go up and fight Stipe to, for the belt, that makes sense. You know it it doesn't always have to be the number one contender. Like there are money fights out there. You know there. are there are money weight fights out there. But this Nick Diaz fight just doesn't make sense for anyone. Like, if you follow Nick Diaz on Snapchat, first of all, that man has been in the club every night for, like, 
I, I can't even go back how long how long have I been following him he's just like he if he was to take a fight in 21 days notice like he'd have no chance against Woodley I don't think um, I, and even if he did that's a horrible matchup for, for Nick Diaz like he's just gonna t- uh, Woodley's just gonna take him down and, and ride him out George St. Pierre I don't think he's ever going to fight again, to be honest. I did think it for a while, but I don't think that fight is going to happen. Look, if it did, okay, I could, I could live with that one. George St. Pierre, you know, longest reigning champion in, in the welterweight division. If he came back and, and he wanted to fight for the belt, I'd fair enough. New York, that'd, that'd be okay with me. But there's no other fight that makes sense for him apart from Wonder by Thompson. Like... I, I, he he's he said that he doesn't want to fight Wonderboy because Wonderboy said, "Oh, I'm gonna fight Robbie Lawler. I think he'll win." Like, come on! If that's your reason for not fighting him, no one. Uh... Hello? Did you just burp out loud on the microphone? No, I hit the the little the steel thing in front of it. Did it All sound right. like a burp? Yeah, it's only it's only like a big sorry, burp. but um, my hand yeah. just brushed past it and did this. <laughs> okay, hold on, I can do that as well. There you go. But uh, yeah, uh, this division, like Damien Maya is there as well. There was no word said about him. I think he's definitely in the mix as well. Like if, if he got it over Wonderboy, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't be too mad about it. I think he's earned it as well. Uh, but it's it's one of the two of them or George Sampier. Like who, who, like he never mentioned any of them. I, and I thought it was very weird. Well, he mentioned GSB, all right, but as I said, I don't think that's going to happen. Like Tyron Woodley is the type of guy, he's already done it. He will sit in the sidelines, you know, for a year and until he gets the fight he wants to get. I don't think he will. I you think... Know, but he's no. already done it, like... He's a champion now, though. They won't, like... He, so, fair enough. You're making a good point that guys should be allowed to take the money weight fights. Yeah. And when they make sense, go for that. But Tyrone Woodley doesn't have the pulling power. Like, we're talking about this because we've been exposed to these scenarios through the Conor McGregor era of the last year and a half of being a guy who is so powerful that was able to call some of his shots, that was able to decide what he wanted to do next. Tyrone Woodley does not have that shot. Tyrone Woodley does not have that pull. If Tyrone Woodley, if GSP doesn't want to fight and if Nick Diaz uh, isn't able to fight... Do you think Tyrone Woodley is going to sit down in an office with WME, with Dana, with Lorenzo, with whoever it is that he's dealing with now and say, actually, guys, going to chill for a year, going to yeah, put this belt on ice? No way. They tell I him to go could. and fuck your fighting Wonderboy in eight weeks and get yeah. the fuck out of our office. And he'd say, no, I'm not fighting Wonderboy. And then say, the man sign a contract. Well, then strip him of his belt. They wouldn't do that so quickly. They'd just shit talk him. Like, like then, then why did shit talk Tyrone Woodley for for not taking fights? Like we forget that he's he's done this more than once. Like it's, I think that I think it's completely different now that there's a belt on his waist, on his shoulder. Do you know I he, he know. can't be like if the UFC want a, a sulking, crying fighter who thinks he deserved the title shot to sit on the sidelines when they're not going to give him the, the Ooh, title Frank shot. Edgar? Frank Edgar? Then, then sit on the fucking sidelines, motherfucker. You're not going to get money. Sit there. Do whatever you want. But now that you're a champion, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to defend your belt. Do you know what I mean? And that may sound a little bit a little bit, a little little bit, bit weird considering that Conor hasn't defended his belt yet at 145. And actually, as has been pointed out to us many times, Conor has never defended a belt that he has won. But... You have to look at it from the point of view that Tyrone Woodley does not have the power, drawing-wise, stopping-wise, even ability-wise, to be able to sit out and say, actually, 
I'm going to wait for George St. Pierre or I'm going to wait for Nick Diaz. And he's doing that because they're easier big money fights. Oh. As you said, Nick Diaz hasn't fought, hasn't won since 2011. George St. Pierre retiring after maybe two of the worst performances of his career. Just got out with his belt intact. Just got out with the legacy intact. Now doesn't want to fight again. Like, of course, like, Tyrone Woodley will get destroyed by Wonderboy. Yeah, he know like he knows and he, he can't know, be like, and he knows it. Like that was on Fox Sports One. That was the best part about afterwards that fight. You literally saw a man who is just allegedly the toughest welterweight in the world, who has just become one, who is who's one of the best fighters in the world according to the belt that he has just won. Visibly shit himself on television at the prospect of fighting another analyst. That's effectively what happened. I am. Like, I don't think I've ever been as disappointed in someone becoming a champion in the UFC. Me neither. As Tyrone Woodley. And this will be some crack when Tyrone Woodley turns around, fucks everybody up, gets the McGregor money fight. I try to get the interview off Tyrone Woodley. He's like, I remember what you said in episode 79 of the Severe MMA podcast. He's a big fan. I was a huge fan. I didn't listen to another episode after 79. That's what he's going to say to us. We're going to lose all the Tyrone Woodley fans after this. But... (laughs) Okay, yeah. so as I said before, the podcast will go down eight listeners between this week and next week. Tyron Woodley Reebok fight championship gear officially sold out, guys. Stop the press. The one good thing about this, I think, is maybe it gives uh, maybe it gives Rory McDonald another lease of life in the UFC after he beats Tyron Woodley so easily. You no, know, maybe. No, I hope so. Come maybe on. it gives Conor McGregor a chance to call out Tyrone Woodley if he beats uh, Nate Diaz. I think that's a tough matchup for McGregor. I think Woodley's a tougher matchup for McGregor than uh, than uh, Lawler was, to be honest. I think Styles may fight in that one. It's just, you know, Woodley's not a bad fighter, and we, you know, we're giving him a lot of shit. In fairness, he's. I, I said it last week. I said on Twitter a lot. He's a very simple fighter, but sometimes in MMA, simplicity is best. You know, he's a tough wrestler. He's hard to finish. He has a big, you know, a big hard shot. You have to be a specific type of fighter to beat him. Like he's a very, he's a good fighter, but he's very, very beatable too. Like someone like Wonderboy, he that, you know, he's a big, big shot early, and he could land that. But apart from that, he's absolutely no chance against Wonderboy. Eat him for breakfast. Yeah. Or Rory McDonald as well. So talking about no chance, Vince McMahon style, Sean. No, no chance. chance. That's what you got. Poor Carolina. That's what she has. Absolutely no chance against Joanna Jinjacek. Wait, can I try get her last name right? Yeah. Carolina Kovalkovich. 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 Yeah. Joe Rogan was the only one who said it right, actually, in the broadcast. Did he get it right? Kovalkovich, but it's Kovalkovich. Kovalkovich. Okay. So, I enjoyed this fight massively, I have to say. As you know, if you've been listening to the Severe MMA podcast any time over the last 79 episodes when Rose Namahunas has been fighting, we are fans of her here on the podcast. I found out, Sean, at the weekend, something that I knew before. She's only a year older than me. She's only a, a sprout, she is. A young 24 old. years old in the sport of mixed martial arts. And there's just so much about her that is the nearly finished product. Do yeah. you know? And it's just... You're seeing the uh, the improvements. You're seeing different things. I don't know. I think that Rose actually cost herself this fight due to inexperience. I think Rose in 10 fights time, even with the skill set that she possesses now, 
would have been able to win that fight. She was much more effective fighting on the outside. She was, like, the only comparison I could compare to her footwork as Sean is a jubilant child in a fresh pair of socks on a wooden floor sliding. Do you know Do you know when you're able to get a bit of a slide on a wooden floor? Yeah, at a wooden. At all, with a bit of jiving shoes on you. Mm-hmm. Would you stop? That's exactly how Rose looked at the weekend. She was able to close the distance like she was gliding along the mat and land lovely combinations, lovely strikes, timing her strikes excellently, getting in and out and taking so little damage. And she won the first round and she won it because of the way that she fought on the feet. Getting her down to the ground, that was a little bit of a, a benefit as well. But I think it was a bad decision that stemmed from the end of the first round that really just set the tone for the rest of the fight for her. So because she was able to close the distance and initiate a clinch, she was able to get a takedown. And that made her confident. But in the second round, every time she went for the exact same scenario, i.e. coming in for the clinch, she nearly got out onto the back at one stage. She had a lovely, like a, a standing hook where her left foot was wrapped around the calf as if she was going to slip out onto the back. But Carolina emptied her in the second round with knees. Any sort, like, and we spoke about this reference before, as if a character's video game health is just slowly depleting and depleting and depleting. Every knee made Nami Hunis breathe heavier. The mouth opened for longer. The shoulders shrugged for longer. Less pop in her shots. Heavier arms. And then when she tried to revert back to the style that had won her the first round, she didn't have it in her. She had literally had all the energy taken out of her from those knees. And before I throw it over to you, okay? If we're talking about the difference in fight IQs, how maybe Rose lost it for herself, Carolina won it for herself because she knew exactly when to throw every single knee. There were times in that fight that she could have been landing knees, but maybe was leaving herself open to a takedown. Even stuff as simple as hitting her on the inhale, Sean, is what she was doing. Her, her shot selection on her knees from the clinch was what won her that fight. It was absolutely top-level stuff, but nothing for Joanna. That yeah. was the one thing that I took from it. I, An I, I, excellently entertaining fight over three rounds, and I have more to talk about it once you've thrown a little bit down, but both of those girls just showed maybe still a little bit short of Joanna Champion. Yeah. I think um, I think Carolina, as you said there, I think Carolina is more close to the finished product than Rose is. I, I think Rose did exceptionally well at the start in the striking round because uh, Kovalkovic, what, what she does is she's a little bit of an in-and-out kind of fighter. She's very, very light on her feet. She comes in, you know, a bit like Dominic Cruz, TJ Dillashaw, that, that kind of way. She comes in, hits angles, you know, he, she's used to people like standing in a boxing stance, you know, or, or a wrestling, you know, someone's a wrestler who's going to come straight at her, you know, is going to be in the same place, and she kind of moves around him. Well, what Nami Yunus did really well was she moved as well. She didn't make herself a static target, which is very unusual for a fighter like Kovalkovic to face because she usually doesn't face people like that. She usually, you know, she's like the handle of a clock going around the middle, you know, but in this case, you know, they were both moving, and she found it very hard in the first round, as you said, you know, to... To land, to find them, uh, to find Nami Yunus at all. Nami Yunus is actually finding her uh, more than she was finding Nami Yunus because she was a little bit bamboozled. But in the second round, doesn't he? Yeah, just totally took her out of the game. And I think watching that fight, <clears throat> you kind of forget 
these Muay Thai practitioners now are, are so good in the clinch. And I know that's an odd thing because back in the day, maybe that was, a, you know, a huge part of, of no, no, it's still a huge part of Muay Thai, but a huge part of Muay Thai practitioners coming over to MMA, like Anderson Silva against uh, against Rich Franklin was probably the biggest uh, biggest example of it. But you don't see that as much anymore, you know, and you kind of forget a little bit. But against, against Sam Yunus, she showed how good she is there. And as well with... with um, with Kovalkovich, she doesn't really fight like a Muay Thai fighter, you know. As I said, there she fights more like a Dillashaw or, or a or a, a Cruz with high, you know, high intensity movement, a lot of angles, and different stuff. But you can tell that she still has the technique, you know. She has that clinch technique. If she wanted to fight you straight up in a Muay Thai sense, she could fight you that way as well. So she, she did extremely well, as you said. Rose just kind of. I don't think she lost the head in the third, but she kind of lost the, her way a bit, little bit. She, well, she lost it in the second, and she couldn't, as you said, she couldn't regain it in the third. And I think, I think the result was was fair enough, even though you know it was a relatively close fight, uh, and it was a good fight as well. But my takeaway from it was, I'm I'm happy that Rosa Muniz didn't win it because if she did win, she would have been going in against Yoni uh, and Jacek, and she'd have no chance against her, and that'd be her second title loss. And what, as you said, she's only 24. What she's six or seven fights into her into her career, she's better. You know, this it's a blessing in disguise that losses go out, get three or four, five more fights before you fight for a title again. I do are absolutely no harm, and I think I honestly think she is the biggest challenge for Yoni and Jacek. If she can get that experience together, if she can get a little bit better everywhere, I think uh, a big part as well is she needs to add in more of her wrestling and more of her submissions uh, again. You more know, of she, her jujitsu. Exactly. She took away what made her great at the start, and now she's she's she needed to do that a little bit because she was relying on it too much, and she her striking has improved, you know, exponentially because of it. But I think she needs to add it in a little bit more of it. Like, what what's wrong with going for a flying triangle at the start of a fight? If you know that you you know if you know that you can get back to your feet and you can get back to your striking, or you're comfortable in your guard, yeah, exactly. Or if you're stuck in you know if you're stuck in um if you're stuck against the fence like that, why not pull guard and try to? Remember she tried to she almost uh, armbarred her at one stage. She had her near you know nearly tied up in a triangle as well. I don't see anything wrong with that. Like if you if you're so good off your back as she is, I think you should use it. I think I don't think you should be ashamed. Of it. I don't think you should get it totally out of your game. You know, if she could add the two of those things together, I kind of mentioned at the weekend, but she's she's just not there yet. But if she can add the two those two things together, I think she has the makings of an absolutely brilliant fighter. So I'm going to pick up on that thing because that was my next point. Her submission game and her jiu-jitsu game. Different, her IQ, fair enough, when it may lack in certain areas on the feet. She's phenomenal at the ground on recovering position and resetting to a neutral place. She, uh, I think there was one instance where she was dropped and Carolina was coming as if she was coming to pass her guard and just shrimped straight out back into close guard. Carolina locked it down. It was a half butterfly. But just the way Rose was moving, she wasn't there. Uh, the best example that I could take of it was from the Ross Pearson and Jorge Masvidal fight, the flurry that could have ended it in the second round when Masvidal was all over Pearson. Pearson stood up and was kind of wa- moving away, taking shots from turtle position. Nama Hunis went over her right shoulder and rolled back into close guard. Do you know what I mean? That's the difference of the... Like, that's someone who's confident in their ground game. Do you know what I mean? Who doesn't mind moving away and do, who doesn't mind coming back into the grappling exchanges. And this is where my second grievance with the referees come into play, Sean, for this card. Yeah. 
Nama Hunis was working an Oma Plata. She was setting up an Oma Plata. She had a really deep underhook with her left hand and she had locked Carolina's shoulder. The referee then said, uh, fucking, you gotta move, girls. You gotta yeah, improve your that. position. Oh, and so then much. Carolina spazzed. Like, she just lifted her shoulders really quickly and just moved, like, ruined. It was almost as if the referee said, She's gonna fucking Oma Platia, Carolina. And then she moved. And then Rose transitioned to an armbar because it was last ditch. She did nearly get the triangle as well. There was one arm in at one time. And then if you notice towards the end of the fight, there was a lot of Oma Plata scrambles as well. It seemed maybe that that was something that Rose was confident in, that she thought she was going to be able to hit. But just the positioning that she had, the way that she had locked the arm down. Do you know what I mean? I, and had moved her hips out from underneath. I was thinking, okay, there's an Oma Plata coming here any second then the referee shouts that and Carolina starts going like a rodeo I'm thinking surely referees like and because I was watching in reverse do you know what I mean so I was already annoyed at the break in the uh, in the Lawler and Woodley fight from the cage and then I saw that and I was thinking what is going on in Atlanta and myself that and, myself and Graham were talking about this the other day it's, referees need to stop coaching fighters like oh. that's, not, that's not their job if I hate, you know, when they knock their hands out of the fence. Take your hands out of the fence. No, don't tell them to do that. Let them put their hand in the fence if they want to. And you take a point if they do that. It's not your job. Like, uh, you know, Graham Paul is not going to tell fucking Paul Pogba not to join a sliding tackle, is he? You know, that, if he does it, let him do it. And you give him a yellow card or give him a red card. That's what they should do in MMA. Are you telling me that referees have a bit of an ego problem, Sean? Mm, a little bit, I think, maybe. Like, what? Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, the only... Uh, the only part of it I'm okay with is, okay, if they're stalling, give them a warning, tell them to move. But that should be a very, very last resort. And you know, we, we might actually touch on the judging and, and the, the rule changes uh, you know, uh, later on. But I think a huge, a huge thing in MMA is getting away from grappling. And, you know, it's becoming such a striker-orientated sport. You have to change that for referees. You have to ch- the referees have to let people work on the ground more, whether it's boring or whatever. They have to do it. There's there, there's been a move, such a movement towards warning people and standing them up so quickly, and I think it's wrong. You have to, you know better than anyone. You have to let jujitsu players, you have to let wrestlers work at their game. It takes time to get submissions and stuff like that. You can't just get it straight away. You know, give them time. Look, if they're taking a piss, if they're not moving, if they're stuck in half guard for, you know, four minutes, okay, stand them up. Or two minutes or whatever, stand them up. If they're not moving, they're not trying to pass guard, they're not working on submissions. If you can't, you know, if you can't see anything coming. But if, you know, if you're in a dominant position or, you know, if you have control of one hand and you're looking to, you know, get an armbar, if you're looking to, as you said, normal platter or a triangle like that, let them fucking work. It's MMA. You know, this is not boxing. It's not kickboxing. You can fight on the ground as well. Give him time. Like, look at Tyron Woodley. As you said, what do you say? He threw three uh, punches before he, you know, he landed that big one. That That's not exactly a huge output, is it? You know, give give people on the ground the same amount of time to set up their submissions. That's what I think. I, I digress. I, I completely agree with you on that. And it's something that I definitely want to talk about on a future episode of the podcast, Ad Nauseam. Because there's a lot of, like, you can tell when a guy is stalling. And you can tell mm-hmm. when a guy is working. But it seems like the referees who are closer to the action than any of us are always the ones unable to determine whether a guy is working for something or stalling. Do you know? And I don't know how. They, 
they constantly get it wrong. I don't know how referees can keep letting guys take unnecessary damage or take, take like. So I guess the natural progression, Sean, is to go on to the Ellenberger and Brown fight. Sure. Okay, Matt Brown. I, like first of all, Ellenberger couldn't believe his luck with that first shot. I think that completely even caught him by surprise. Okay, because it was such a weird fight. It was like. After Ellenberger had landed that shot, it became two guys scared of drawing their pistols. It was a, such a gun-shy fight because Ellenberger himself knows, fuck, that could have happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was like, shit, I just did that. And then Matt Brown was like, shit, that doesn't happen. Oh, no. Now they're both kind of toying around knowing that, fuck, either one of us could get knocked out with the next exchange. Like, we're now both chinny. Okay, that's where that's how the fight had gone, and I kicked the kick to the midsection that finished it, absolutely perfect. Brown was done as soon as that shot had landed, yeah. but for good measure, he was allowed to take twelve more strikes on the ground from the second he crumpled, eight of which were in a turtle position where his head was on the canvas. Eight shots, his head was face down on the canvas. His hands weren't defending because his hands were on his ribs. Thinking like, oh my god, what did he just hit me with? But instead, no, you're going to get punched eight times in the side and the back of your head for being such a good sport, Matt Brown. Thank you so much. I didn't think it was too bad. Maybe a couple of it, but I, like when he, went, when he went to that turtle position, I thought, okay, he's gone down. You know, he, he's obviously in pain. Maybe he can take one or two and then maybe he can sweep, get these back or something, you know. But he just didn't, and it, it maybe that made it look bad because, okay, there was there was maybe three or four shots where you're expecting him to move, and then three or four shots which finished it. So I think you know I think it was generally okay. Uh, that fight uh, overall, I had a feeling I I picked Brown, but I just had a feeling all week, and I I, I was talking to Graham on the phone about it. I, he was like, oh, he, I thought he was thinking about betting on Brown or something. I was like, I just have a feeling Ellenberger's going to knock him out. I just had a feeling all week, and I don't know why. Sometimes that happens. And I just had a feeling. It was, was in the waters. It. it was. There was something in the waters. And that body kick against Matt Brown, it, you know, it is his kryptonite. Everyone who hits him in the body, you know, that everyone's going to, everyone who fights him now is going to hit him in the body. It's like Cerrone is the same. Maybe that's a good fight, actually. Matt Brown against Cerrone. Make that happen. Boom. Body kicks all day. But yeah, it's it's nice to see Jack Ellenberger get getting back in the win column too. He's a a killer's fan, so there you go. That's a that's a good part about him. Um, he's you know he's a nice guy, good fighter, and things haven't always gone right for him. But he's with Kings MMA now, and uh, I think that's that's a good thing for about him. But let's had just he left him. Edmund Tarverians gym. <laughs> he has. Roy, so wait, uh, so he was training there. He's yeah. at Kings now. Yeah. Did he lose every fight under Edmund? Um, I don't know. No, he didn't. He definitely won. I don't know, actually. Maybe. And now he's won What's after he left that gym. Yeah, mm. I think he's left it a while, though. I think he, he lost okay. a couple of fights. No, I just, just wanted to... Yeah. Uh, okay, let's mention a couple of other fights. <coughs> um, Eric Perez against Francisco Rivera. It was just a terrible fight, I thought. It was like it. Uh, a chipper fight Booyaka Booyaka I, I think Dave Fogarty put up a, a good video of it actually showing like just these lads swinging these punches you know no technique just awful it was 
Okay, it was a little bit entertaining, but it was good to see Gaito. Gaito looked a little bit um, improved, but I don't think he's ever going to be a great fighter. Uh, Benoit against um, Freddy Serrano. Another fucking mad fight, like something out of Mortal Kombat. Freddy Serrano was throwing axe kick after axe kick after axe kick. It was pretty uh, pretty illuminating. Uh, as you said, Masvidal's good win over Pearson. Not... not not the best fight in the world. I think Pearson and Chartnode, well, not in Chartnode's, but on, he hasn't fought in, you know, he fought like, what, three weeks ago or something. I think that's kind of played against him. Uh, big knockout for Anthony Hamilton, Wilson Hayes did well, and I was most impressed on the night probably by Nikita Krylov. You know, he's kind of a running meme and kind of a joke online, but that guy's turned into a really good fighter. And I, I don't think he's that far away from a light heavyweight title shot, to be honest. There isn't that many people there. And, uh, I, I, you know, he brings a lot of good stuff to the to the game. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him fighting John Jones or, or Daniel Cormier. Probably won't be John Jones. But, yeah. Here's the prediction, is it, Sean? What, 2017 European... Uh, Nikita Krylov becomes the UFC champion. No, I won't be predicting that. No, but he, I think he'll fight for the title. You've predicted worse. Fight, yeah. <laughs> I have. Fucking wonder. My wonder by prediction now is going to be scuppered by Tyron Woodley, not refusing to fight him. Get on to him. More <sighs> than anything, that's what your real outrage is over that here is, about Tyron Woodley. Definitely. Uh, I, pick on your pick on uh, uh, a number out of your picks. Being ruined for 2016. I said Overeem is going to be champion as well, but um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But he's he's a chance at it anyway. Okay, um, before we get to the TV deal, let's talk a little bit about Irish MMA this week. Dylan Took fought at the weekend. We watched the fight before, um, before we came on here. Just, uh, just literally, but just before we come on, thoughts, Andrew, again. So, number one. I'm delighted that whoever shot that fight for Severe, camera-wise, was in full view of Adam Ventra's corner. Yeah. Because Paddy Pimlet was thoroughly enjoying himself. So, one second, Sean, sorry. Graham. Hello? You think that when he realised that when he rang you and we were recording yeah, the, podcast, the podcast, that the other half of the Severe MMA podcast would also... Be on the podcast at the time. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah, no, he, he was ringing me there, but it wouldn't connect. It was a WhatsApp call. Uh, so first of all, getting to see Paddy Pimlet and the, the rest of the corner was thoroughly entertaining. There was one guy who was nearly pa- who was standing up on something, shouting into <laughs> the cage at one point. Yeah. It was an exciting fight. I enjoyed watching it there. Okay, maybe a little bit of hyperbole from a lot of the people that were covering it. That it was the greatest first round in UK MMA history. A little bit, yeah. Doesn't really say a lot about the history of first round in U- UK <laughs> MMA, to be you honest. Know, you'll take any shot at UK MMA. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> no, it didn't. I, I, like, that's just, like, fair enough. It could actually be. But to me, that fight more represented what the fifth round of a title fight should look like as opposed to the first round between these two young, up-and-coming pros that people are raving about. Do you know what I mean? Dylan Took's footwork, his striking, his movement, his knees, his clinch work that we've seen in his other fights, non-existent in this one, to be fair. Said afterwards he didn't feel himself, looked pretty flat-footed, got lit up on the feet by a grappler, and then the blue belt ended up submitting the brown belt. Do you know what I mean? So this fight was like crazy town, to be honest. Like What you're expecting this fight to be did not turn out to be that at all. Ventra dropped Took, I think, maybe two or three times in the first round. Am I thinking twice? Uh, at least twice. I think one of them might have been a slip One of them, after, yeah, yeah, okay. We were, twice, anyway. 
Yeah. First one straight right down the pipe. Lovely awareness from Tuke on the ground to be able to reverse it as Ventra followed him. Like it was he effectively swept him. Do you know what I mean? Off being dropped and then come up on top and was able to regain it. But for me there was something I don't know, was something off about Dylan Tuke in that fight? Or yeah. is that the measure of his ability? Because the fact that he looked quite frankly, the worst he has looked at pro thus far and still managed like his two back takes saved him that fight because he took the back at the end of the first round and was able to chill and recover there a little bit I thought was working for a nice rear naked choke didn't get it uh, tried to transition to the mount and lost adventure was straight back up but in the second round Took had like Took had his uh, his Misha Tate moment Sean do you know what I mean it's like you're losing this fight you've lost this fight up until this point there's the back let's see what you can do with it do you know what I mean? And from there, his back takes swap into the body triangle. It was it was beautiful. It was fluid from the back. But I thought that Dylan didn't give as good of a count of himself on the feet as we've seen him give before. Yeah, there's these there's these sort of fights that constantly happen in MMA and boxing. I always go back to a fight. It's, it was a Kell Brook fight. I'm a big Kell Brook fan. I'm not exactly sure he was fighting, but it was this fight right where he was doing really well in the start of the fight. And then he, your man he was fighting started to come on to him and he started hitting him really hard. He nearly knocked him out like in the, in the 9th, 10th and 11th. Like he could have had Brooke out, but Brooke held on and he held on, he held on. He got the decision, he won the decision. And now he was young and he's square, maybe 9 or 10 fights in. And you look at that and say, okay, it's a bad performance. But what's good to come out of it was he showed his heart and he showed his ability that when he's in the trenches, you know he can survive. And that's something that's huge. That's bigger than a good win, I think. Yeah. And that's what that's what happened to Dylan Tuke at the weekend. He said it afterwards. He put up a great Facebook post about it that it wasn't. You know, he kind of said he was ashamed of it or something like that. Uh, but he's not to be ashamed of. It wasn't he's you know it wasn't a great performance. He knows that himself doesn't need me to tell him. But what was great was he showed that heart. Dave Fulkery, I think, put it very well. He said it was an unbelievable display of heart, like that he showed to come back. He was knocked down. That first shot, the straight right hand knocked him clean down. He went for the legs, as you said, we were watching together, got a great sweep. You know, the head came straight back when he got hit with that right uh, right hook. Did the same, you know, he quickly recovered again. You could see he's, you know, you could see he was a little bit, uh, his head was obviously a little bit clouding after getting caught. But I don't know, uh, sometimes you hear fighters talking and they say they just couldn't get their feet working. They just couldn't get moving. They were kind of stuck in a rut. And it looked like that to me because at, at Bama, we, the last fight when, when, that we were both at and that he fought at, we kind of waxed lyrical about how loose he was and how fluid his movement was. And that just, that wasn't there on Saturday. So for him, for that not to be there and for him to still come through it and still win was was phenomenal. And, you know, you have to give it to him, you know, if he can put that heart together with that fluid movement and, you know, get back, relax again, he's going to be a tough fight for anyone. And as you said as well, the ground game, you know, people speak a lot about himself and um, and friends and guys like that. Maybe their ground game isn't, uh, you know, he's still coming along, you know, it's not to, to where their striking is yet, but he showed you know, to a couple of lovely back takes and a beautiful submission at the end and got the finish. So, you know, obviously pl- plenty of work on, but it was a, it was one of those fights that you need to have. You know, it was a proven ground kind of fight, and uh, I think he proved himself that he's, you know, he's a tough guy and and uh, give him another couple of fights, and you know, he's he's going to keep on improving. The ethos to take from this fight, Sean, is yeah, wasn't on his best day, but still, when you don't show up. 
and you're still able to pull out an impressive win against a highly ranked opponent like that, that is the measure. That is, like, you're talking about being in the trenches, you're talking about gritting out a hard win. That will stand to Dylan Took long-term in his career. If I ask you one thing, performances like this, wins, stoppages, exciting performances, main event and shows in the UK, are we going to see guys like Dylan Took signed sooner rather than later to the UFC? It's difficult to know. I think, I think, yeah, generally it, it's going that way that people are going to get signed earlier and stuff because, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of good prospects. And I think a lot of the Irish fighters have proven they can, you know, maybe, okay, they're not getting to Conor McGregor's level, all of them, but they can prove they can hang, you know. Carl Pinder won, what, five or six fights in, in the UFC. Series done very well. Um, Ashley Daly has won fights and, and so on and so forth. Uh, um, Joe Duffy as well has done well. Um, so yeah, but I I think, I think you take the Tom Dukamar route rather than the quick route. I think I think you have one more fight outside of the UFC than you know one too few. If you know what I mean, you know I I think slowly 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 catchy monkey and not the, not the saying uh, what I, you know, <laughs> that's that's an old saying there. I I I wouldn't be going to the UFC with less than eight eight fights to be honest I think that's around if you can get it to eight and all and get signed I think that's around the perfect time to put you in they won't give you you know you're 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 primed and ready for it then and you're not going to be put in against good guys at that stage you're going to get guys kind of on your similar um, experience level at that stage I think I think you've enough experience outside of the UFC then to beat those guys in the UFC once you get there. I think that's around the perfect around the perfect stage. Even if it's ten fights, that's fine too. Or you know, if you get to ten and one or you know, something like that. I think that's around the perfect time. You know, it took a lot longer before, obviously, you know, McGregor had lots of fights, uh Pinter had lots of fights, obviously Siri had lots of fights as well before they got in there. And, and as you said, you know, it's coming a lot earlier these days but I think they need to be careful to fight fighters like Dylan Tuke fighters like like Franz Malambo need to be very careful I think you have your experience you know keep improving wait until you're approaching your prime to get to the UFC now not you don't have to be in your prime you may wait your two or three you could be two or three years away from it but you have to be schooled enough you know and good enough once you get to the UFC to be able to hang in the UFC. And I think that's more important than actually getting there early. Had that exact same discussion with somebody last night as well, Sean, after work. Harder to get to the UFC, or easier to get to the UFC than it is to stay there. <clears throat> because your whole life is focused towards getting there. Then you get there and maybe you got there too soon. And you're thinking, oh shit, I'm completely out of my depth. Duke and Watt, as you said, during the week on our WhatsApp or what, who's it you want to match him against in a bantamweight? Marlon Marais. Yeah, two of the best bantamweights outside of the UFC mm-hmm. come together at a time when they're more than capable, more than ready of being able to challenge up towards the top end of that division. Yeah, I agree. Beautiful. 100%. In the last week, Shondo, we've had a little bit of news break as well. Yep. And when I say news break, I don't actually mean break. I mean... One the deal is done, guys. Nothing is changing. The deal is done, <laughs> but we'll tell you in a couple of weeks. By the way, nothing is changing. <laughs> My God, like this was just like, okay. So I am convinced now more than ever that the UFC was set to leave BT Sport, that the UFC were set to make a marquee announcement, and then something happened, and it's like. 
We're renewing with BT Sport. You know, you don't make a big song and dance over that, okay? They didn't it, really die either, though. Did they? They did. They put out a piece a couple of weeks ago. James Elliott went on the record and said, It's done, but we're going to wait. Why? Why wait to announce that you're staying on the same platform? Yeah, I don't know. You yeah. don't. You don't. That's you don't. I don't make an announcement, Sean, and say, In October, I'm going to reveal... Where my next podcast will be. And then on the first week of October, tell everyone it's on severemma.com. But people knew the deal was up as well, though. You know. Like people don't know your, your $10 million a month deal is up in uh, in October. Like, and if they did, they'd probably be, you know, they'd probably want you to make an announcement to or to, you know, to say that deal was, new deal was done. Well, first of all, I'm going to have to edit that out. I don't want you telling people my salary. Okay. So there's that. But second of all, to me, it's underwhelming, okay? Because we're stuck in the same rut, okay? And I don't know where to start, what I can and can't say, because we've had words about this since last week, but whether I should or should not say. But a, a, a source has revealed to us, just one source. Yeah. So we couldn't get a second one. But a source within Sky has revealed to both myself and Sean that the top executives involved in the decision-making process regarding making a bid and pursuing the rights for the UFC content do not consider it a sport. And Dana White has said that before, but I, I'm not sure if it's the same guy. But Dana White has mentioned about person, Sky yeah. Sports and their link to UFC, which bids... Which is the question that they were happy to take money off Cage Warriors when Cage Warriors was on Sky Sport, Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. So they're happy to take money in a promotional exchange like, yeah, here's money, put our product on your platform. Because Sky Sports were not and they're fuck paying for Cage Warriors back in the day. Let's be honest about that. So now they're suddenly not in, like they're not interested. It's not a sport, and it's that's like this is just so demoralizing, Sean, because it's backward thinking people of an older generation in lucrative positions in jobs that they're not going to give up because they're on serious money or going to get serious pensions and you're just hampering the future you'll put darts fishing kadabi which is a <laughs> don't which you is a, dare <laughs> which is a fantastic sport but like can you remember sunday morning Saturday morning, 6am, Sky Sports 3, Oz Fishing or something like that. I'm trying to think. There was something with Oz in the title. O-Z. Something to... The aerobics, is it? Is it the Oz aerobics? Aerobics. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you have a chance. You're in virtually every home in the UK and Ireland. Everybody has Sky. A lot of people have Sky. You're in every bookies. Sky Sports News is in every fucking pub. Every bookmakers. Every this, that and the other. You've The UFC have the hottest star in the UK and Ireland. And they've also got Conor McGregor <laughs> behind Michael Bisping. <laughs> but, and you're not capitalising on that. And instead it's because you think it's not a sport. Well, Sky, B Sky B, whoever. If you're listening to this, you're thinking... God, we might get that Andrew McGahan chap a job in the future. Go fuck yourselves because you're backwards. You are backwards thinking people that are ruining this. It's just, 
you had a chance. You had a chance to take this sport and make it something brilliant. Because let's be honest, BT Sport aren't going to make it fucking brilliant. They've already lost all their money buying te- football rights. Do you know what I mean? Which UEFA then came out and said was a disaster. Them having the Champions League, the numbers were that low. Do you know what I mean? This is the beginning of the end of BT Sport because Sky are just going to blow them out of the water, take all them football packages back, and then BT will have no money. Do you know what I mean? They were, they had such, Sean, oh my God, I'm so fucking frustrated here. This is a joke, like they had the potential. BT Sport had the potential to do something great for the sport when they first got the rights, when they first got the deal. And then, you saw it in the last 12 months, the content slipped. They stopped doing stuff. No more original stuff. All signs were pointing to the deal moving from BT Sport. And then instead, no, Sky just decided that they were actually going to get back with their ex instead. See you later. It's like, but I broke up with this guy for no reason. It's like, fuck off. What do you think? I think Sky view MMA and UFC as an online thing. And I think they have reason... To do that because look at look at BT. You said there things have been cancelled on it. Okay, they had that thing with Gary. They wrote to the Octagon or something. You know, they had McGregor on at the start. They had a couple of different people with little two or three things of breaking news, and then it kind of went off the air. I don't think it's even on now. I think they kind of go around to gyms and stuff, and you know, show like all fights and stuff. I don't think it's even on anymore. They had that show that you were supposed to be on with John Gooden and stuff, which was a very good show. Gone off the air. You know, they had, you know, they had other little things all gone. And why are they gone? Because they probably didn't do well. That's probably why they're gone. And all they have now is the fights. But when you have, like, look at the UFC's videos. Look at the embeddeds. Look how look at the numbers they're doing on YouTube. Like, people people go for MMA content online. You know, people will listen to podcasts. People watch YouTube videos, you know. People watch these say we're going to watch the MMA or now on on MMAfighting.com this evening. You know that's where they get their that's where they get their content. They get it online, and all they get on TV is the fights. Exactly, which is fair enough. But <laughs> Sky view it as an online entity, right? And all they're getting is fights. All they're getting is the TV, you know, TV rights, which they. have put up at 3 o'clock in the morning, which are they going to get huge viewers on them? Yeah, they'll probably get a few MMA fans, but MMA, I've maintained it for a while, MMA isn't that big in the UK. Like it's, there's a there's a big fan base of hardcore MMA fans, but MMA hasn't broken through in the, in the UK. And it, it it's weird because it, Sky are not taking it because it hasn't broken through in the UK and it hasn't broken through in the UK because it's not in on Sky. So you're stuck between a fucking rock and a hard place. It won't get big in the UK until it gets on Sky, but Sky won't take it because it's not big in the UK. What can you do? Like, there's nothing you can you can do. Sky are going to have to take a chance in it for that to happen, and it's not going to happen. But the other, my point in this as well, it's it's sad that it's not with Sky because Sky Sports News would be hu- huge for the sport in the UK, as you say. In every bookies ever, like the first thing I do in the morning is try on Sky Sports News, see what's happening. You know, they shove Joshua down your throats. They shove. Uh, um, Formula One down your throats. If they had the UFC, did I'm sure they'd do the same thing. And but that's not just going to happen now. But for me and you, for hardcore fans, for people who watch the sport every week, I'm still okay with it because I'm okay with it. I'm I'm getting my content. I know where to go online to get my content. Severe Metacom and nowhere else. And all I want is someone who will put on the fights on time, live 
won't cut out, you know, won't cut out the end of the fights, won't cut out the start of the fights. And BT have done that, apart from maybe one or two little incidents, extremely well since they've got it. And as we know, that's not always been the case. Like, remember ESPN when it was changing back in the day? I remember there was like a, fucking an hour and a half of a soccer match before the UFC came on. You know, where was it before that? It was on... I can't even remember. I was on was on Bravo years back, but it was on somewhere before that as well. You know, you could barely get the fights. You know, other things were more important to them. At least BT are giving us the fights. You know, they're putting them on. That's all. That's all me personally. I care about. But as I say, it's different in Ireland because McGregor has. You know, I wrote this on my Facebook page during the week. McGregor has got people got people's attention no he's this this fucking coverage he's getting in joe.ie and and balls.ie and with us and with everyone else it's it's just pushing it into people's you know people's psyche and people know about the sport mma has hit the hardcore or no it's hit the fucking mainstream in ireland in the uk that's not happening people can say what they want about michael bisping you know it's just not happening whoa 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 whoa. (laughs) joe.co.uk gave away 100 (laughs) ps4s last month sean they're definitely in the mainstream of the uk okay (laughs) okay you can throw money at stuff and buy like you i i want you to formally apologize right now on behalf of joke.ie joke.co.uk sorry i apologize okay you know actually just one thing about joe.ie They've actually some very very good GA coverage now, so I like everything apart everything apart from the GA coverage is shit, but their GA coverage is very good. There you go. Yeah. Jesus, it's almost as if the thought that finding a niche at something and being really dedicated at it is what will make people endear to you. Mm. I wonder where they got that idea from. I don't know. Where did you get that? Hmm. We answer a few questions, Andrew. On the Severe MMA podcast. Yeah. We most yeah. definitely fucking will, Sean. You go what? tell the people. Wait, what first of all. Yeah? First of all, I sent you a WhatsApp and I'm about to tweet the picture and I really want you to see the picture so I can hear your laugh when you see it for the first time. I don't know what that means. Wanna fight? Oh, no. Fucking Pokemon Go. Oh, you prick. I don't play it, but look at the look at the picture. Before you laugh. Oh yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Outstanding I tweeted that Okay Let me go look for pictures Okay No questions even What questions yeah Let me mention our sponsors The good folks over at rosnutrition.com That Ireland's leading supplement provider They'll give you vitamin D Krill oil I was looking actually Looking up that uh, uh, Krill oil stuff last night It's like little little tablets Um, They're very good for you apparently I was reading. I was reading about them. I I've been taking for a while. I must. I I'm very bad for taking things. I I take them regularly, but I'm gonna start taking them regularly now. Very good for you. Vitamin D. You know the sun has kind of gone in again. We didn't need it there for a while, but you need it now again to keep keep up your vitamin D. Keep up your health. Um, you get twenty five percent off your first order if you use the promo code Severe M M A S E V E R E M M A at rosnutrition.com. Give us a helping hand. Sign up or a little bit of stuff. If you know someone who goes down to the gym looking to get a bit of gains, looking to put on a, a little bit of little bit of uh, of lean mass. I hear obviously hear people talking about that. Tell them here, I can get you twenty five percent off your protein. Get, tell them severe and made rosnutrition.com. All good stuff. I you know Irish made. You won't fail any USADA tests if you take it. You're not going to be John Jones. Help us. Help you. ROSnutrition.com, 25% off using the promo code SEVERE. Andrew, have you some questions? I do, Sean. First of all, not really a question. A lot of people were on to us. When I say a lot, it's the one thing that you've most recently favorited from Barry Gilly. 
in oh. 90 minutes, a thousand milligrams becomes oh, yes. 500. 90 minutes later, it becomes 250. So it's 15 hours, I think. Yeah, but it's it not. Out. Yeah, okay. Just explain this. Last week we said about Chad Mendes and we we're talking about how, how he had a 90 minute half life. And I said, like, oh, so that only takes 180 minutes so he can go up and go for a run and he'd be back and it'll be gone. That's not exactly it, Barry. I actually knew this, but I kind of half forgot it. He said it's a 90 minute half life, which means it takes 90 minutes for half of the stuff to get out of you, your system. So if you have ah, 500 milligrams, it takes 90 minutes to get to 250. If you have 250 milligrams, it takes 90 minutes to get to 125. So depending on how much you add in the system, you know, it's going to take at least a couple of, you know, four or five hours to get out of your system. How much I was, you ever had in it? But I was very unclear on that because uh, Barry McCarthy also messaged me that, or Brian McCarthy, I'm sorry, either one messaged me on Facebook explaining it as well. And it was completely over my head and I didn't understand what we were talking about. So there you go. Yeah, that was my mistake. I don't know how I made that idiotic mistake, but apologies for that. Thank you, Baz, as well, for starting us off. He's a friend of the podcast, great man. Farrell Connolly wants to know, how about a Joseph Duffy Gilbert Melendez brawl? Oh, an exciting stand up war with their boxing skills. I like that. I like that. Uh, Yeah, let's let's have that. Sure. There you go. Shane Carwin, did you see that we got quoted his tweet? Oh yes, he's when your back. manager emails Joe Silva, I'm mm. ready to go. Who would you like to see him fight? Well, Keith Finn would like to know if you'd like to see him fight in Go or Lewis. Oh, oh, I'd like to see him fight Derek Lewis. Not in Ghana yet. I don't think Ghana losing. And one Mr. Podge would like to know with the state of the current heavyweight division, how far can a 41-year-old Shane Carwin even go? Probably how will he enough. fare with USADA? Uh, well, no, don't be accusing me of going on drugs here. I'm not. Be people, no, I'm telling that questioner. Who was it, Mr. Podge? Mr. Podge. You wouldn't hear people hear people here on the SevereMail.com podcast well, calling people out on drugs, would you? <laughs> he definitely had a good follow-up, Sean, because he said, is Mark Hunt being unrealistic expecting fighters to form a union to combat PEDs? It's like expecting turkeys to vote for Christmas. <laughs> That is excellent. Yeah, but they all have to kind of act like they're against PDs, even though they're... I lo- I, uh, like, when guys come out, not not Mark Hunt now, because he just fought someone, obviously, using PDs, but when guys come out out of nowhere and, and are really staunchly anti-PDs, you know, make a statement about it, you know, fighters, I mean, but they're always the ones I look at, like, what are you hiding? You know, <laughs> what, what are you, why are you doing this? Why, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. That's just me, but I could be totally wrong. Team Cleo got in touch with us and uh, did the right thing, the new and improved thing, that if you're going to have a couple of long questions, write it down, send it in a note, and send us the screenshot. First man to do that. Thank you so much. He said, first of all, loved Andrew's wedding-related tangent on Press Row with Jordan Breen. If you haven't listened to it yet... That was funny. (laughs) If you And there was a lot more that I couldn't say on the air, Sean. But if, if you haven't listened to it yet, head on over to Sherdog. I was absolutely chuffed. Jordan Breen is the fucking man. And to ask me on to talk about the TV deal. Very little MMA discussion because it was about a, the television deal. But outside of that, he is a guy who will gladly just talk for hours. Are we, so are we doing the, the piano rapping outro this week? Unfortunately, I'm upstairs. So I'm, I'm not near the piano. I'm near my DJ decks. So I could spin a few, uh, a few zingers for you, but no, I'm, um, not, I'm not rapping this week. I put my rapping mic away. To oh, your rapping days are gone. Okay. Um, and I have to say, probably the last two people that you'd want to 
put on a podcast together and allow them to actually talk about random shit because TJ DeSantis, Sean, had to disconnect the Skype call because he had to go because just talking so much shit afterwards. So there was uh, the usual stuff. But he said there was a moment between the end of 200 and the Lesnar PED news where people thought that the WWE would now be married to the UFC, that there would be more cross-correlation. Okay? Can we consider this idea to be dead? Yeah. I probably think... It's it's hurt anyway. You know, it'll take a while to come back from this Lesnar thing. Yeah, I think it probably is dead, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Mr. Podge asked a load of questions. I have one more from him. He said, looking back, was Anthony Pettis' title reign the Emperor's new clothes? He's now lost to Gita... Alvarez, Dos Anjos, and Barboza. What does that mean? Do you know, uh, did you ever hear the story of the Emperor's New Clothes? No. What? No, I didn't. What did it tell me? Explain it. It's a famous story from years ago, Sean. I don't know. I never heard, heard, oh never even heard of it. Okay, here you go. According to Wikipedia, it is a short tale <laughs> by Hans Christian Andersen, oh, okay? Him, yeah. About two weavers who promise an emperor a new suit of clothes that is invisible to those who are unfit for their positions, stupid or incompetent. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, okay, I get it now. Um, no, I think Anthony Bellis is a good uh, fighter, but I think that beating he took against Dos Anjos, and I think the fact that he never progressed in his career is the reason the reasons why he lost and he did he didn't recover there you go i think brian, he's still good brian lynch says sean with mm-hmm. wonderboy condit and maya all waiting in the winds was tyron woodley's call out of diaz gsp the worst call out of any new champion no well i can't remember all other champions but it wasn't bad per se you know if he can get that nick diaz fight fair play to him if he can get the the gsp fight that's big money for him but but it it didn't make sense you know neither of those fights really make sense at the moment, definitely not the DS fight anyway. And I, I think, you know, DS DS won't want that fight. I don't think, even though it's for the belt, you know, fairy tales. I just, yeah, okay, it was, yeah, worst call outs ever. Excellent. Robert Palmentary has friend of the podcast. Is it more apparent now, and especially because he sent us a screenshot? Is it more apparent now than ever? The best fighters in each division do not hold the belt. Alvarez, Woodley, Bisbing, Majocic. And Cormier because of Jones. If you asked many MMA fans who the best fighter in each division was, these would not be the names that they would give you. I like that. Let's do that. Flyweight. Demetrius Johnson. Fair enough. Yeah. Bantamweight. Dominic Cruz is the best. Yeah. Featherweight. McGregor and Aldo. They're both Fair the enough. best. Uh, lightweight. Eddie Khabib. Alvarez. Yeah, Habib is definitely the best. A welterweight. Wonderboy is the best. He does Wait, not best. even that. About seven other fighters ahead of Tyrone Woodley. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and about oh, six yeah. other fighters ahead of Bisbing as well. Yeah, Bisbing, yeah. <laughs> More even than that, yeah. Carmier, no, he's not the best fighter. John Jones is the best fighter. Stipe. I think mm, Velasquez probably is. But I wouldn't. Uh, Stipe, Stipe is very good. I don't like saying bad things about Stipe. I think Stipe is underestimated. I think he's the most underestimated fighter, uh, champion in the UFC. Uh, the women's strawweight, Ian Jacek definitely is the best. And I think, I think, as I said I've before, Nunez, I think she's the most talented. Is she the best fighter? I think she's the best fighter, yeah. Do you, what do you think? Um, so you... T- 
touched on something earlier on about Carolina's Muay Thai being so mm-hmm. good and how it's going back to that stage where it was years ago. I disagree. I think it's just because women's MMA is in its inception like mixed martial arts was years ago that you're seeing the guys, or girls I should say, with massive advantages in certain areas being as prevalent. And the 115 division is where the 135 division was two years ago when Ronda Mm. Rousey was cleaning shop. So I think the best 135 bantamweight is... Yeah, okay, Amanda Nunez, but not saying <laughs> that Ronda Rousey wouldn't be able to beat her. Um, I think Nunez beat her. But really? Yeah, I think she's a bad matchup for her. I think she's too good in the field. I think her takedown defense is too good. But it's a different kind of takedown defense against Ronda Rousey as well. Because so it's not double legs, it's throws. Exactly, yeah. Um, I'd like to see that fight. Nate Gildee, did I get it right this time? I, I don't know. I think know. he corrected us during the week as well. Yeah, Gil G. Ah, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Nate G. What? Just call him Nate G. Nate G. Warren G. Quick one for Sean. How many seconds will it take for Wonderboy to beat Woodley? I reckon about... um Four. <laughs> about uh, 200 seconds. There you go. MMA True Talk wants to know, how would you rate McGregor's chance of beating Woodley, considering the both have the same height and reach? I I'm sceptical uh, if Conor McGregor has a 74-inch reach, because I'm nearly sure it was 72 for a year. Like, Cage Warriors, I think he was always billed as having a 72-inch reach. Yeah, but UFC, I trust UFC more than Cage Warriors now. Like yeah. They, they, they re-measure people and stuff all the time. I think that's probably right. I don't... I think Woody's a bad matchup for McGregor, to be honest. It's going to be very hard to knock him out because he's so fast and he's like he's defensively pretty good as well. Um, and I think Woodley be able to take him down. He's you know he's so much stronger than him. You know I think I think it's a bad matchup for McGregor to be honest. Here's a question from Aidan Lally: With Dylan Took winning early at the weekend, if he wins at Bama, is a a UFC contract is it next or too early? We did speak about this, tonight, but yeah. do you think that these fighters could maybe go for tough or something like that? Do you think Dylan Took would be good and tough? Um, I don't know. You'd probably know him better than me. No. Um, he'd, uh, the fight-wise, yeah, he'd probably be good. He'd be on exciting fights and tough. I think, yeah. So why not? I think tough is a bad op. I, I, you know, if you were asking for me for advice, I'd say stay away from tough. Try to get into the UFC and harm you. Yourself, yeah, exactly. Yeah, taking a couple of fights outside of the UFC and, and getting in not via tough. With um, Jules... Stavely S-T-A-V-E-L-E-Y with four belts changing hands since UFC 199 Bisbing, Alvarez, Nunez and Woodley which ones do you think will retain their belt? Uh, I, Nunez okay. uh, Let's start again with Demetrius Demetrius fighting the tough whoever wins the tough shot No he, he means of the four belts that changed oh, hands Oh the four belts also oh, tell me the four of them again Bisbing, Alvarez, yeah, Nunez Bisbing. and Woodley Bisping won't retain. Alvarez, if he fights Habib, he won't retain. Uh, Woodley, I think he probably will because I think he'll get one of those. He won't get one though. He'll get someone else. And who was the other one? Amanda Nunez. Nunez. I think she will retain. Hmm. There you go. What are your thoughts on Baby Slice signing for Bellator? And have you seen any of his previous fights from Ian Thornton MMA? I think I saw a clip you know, back a couple of months ago when he fought. He's one amateur fight. I think he's like a real fighter. He's been training. I think he trains at ATT for a couple of years. You know, 
there was been talks of him for a long time, and it's they had been talking about signing him since before his father died and things. So I'm okay with it. You know, it's I, I think the lads had a great chat in the MMA beat about it, talking about how it's gimmicky and stuff. But it's okay. You know, he's a real fighter. He's he's been training. He's, he's not some guy off the street. Like I I think this is a lot more. This is a lot more um, acceptable than having Data Five Thousand fighting, or you know, having High Gracie and, and Ken Shamrock fighting at one hundred and two years old. Like, I, you know, this is fine. He's a young prospect. Look, if he if he loses, he loses. If he's, you know, if he's not a great fighter, he's not a great fighter. But I'm okay with it. So, Io Daily would like to know <laughs> why is Andrew getting in photos with such wankers? Is it fair to say the fame has gone to his head? Explain. So Sean is the one who uses the pictures for every week uh, for the questions on the podcast Twitter account. This time he decided to use a selfie which I had sent him in confidence. (laughs) I wasn't sure uh, you had. And then I realised after I'd posted it that that you did send it in front. Of myself and Gareth A. Davies together. And ruined my rep online by doing such. Everyone knows you're good friends with Gad, though. Gad, like, fuck me, Sean. Gareth's actually sound like, do you know what I mean? Do you know, there is, like, that's... He's not, he's not the well, he's, yeah. Like, he is a lovely guy, do you know what I mean? Especially, like, forget this whole clicky, sniping, fucking, let's make jokes about Gad and other people. Do you know, like, first of all, if you're going to talk shit online, Sean, okay, the easiest way to do it is to at the person in their tweet. I never said anything bad about Gad. No, I'm not saying you did. But I'm saying this is a prevalent trend online, okay? You yeah. can, like, writing G-A-D. It's like, if you are brave enough, you would put his name in it. You, But you don't want to get into a an online altercation where someone could turn around and say, Hey, actually, mate, you're a bit of a dickhead. Do you know what I mean? People, are, people won't do that, okay? They're just going to... Okay, we're done with this conversation. I'm not talking about Gareth yeah. Davies anymore. People are just going to call you a dickhead now all the time on Twitter. You're only asking Fine, for it. call me a dickhead and I'll come back to you and let you know why. Number one, I don't give a fuck. Number two, you've probably you got 20 followers. And number three, you're Great worthless and irrelevant. You dummy. <laughs> are you past 6,000 followers there in the week, last week? I actually, did, yeah. By the way, that was all a joke, okay? I'm not actually oh, a Dana. No, I'm not the Irish Dana White. No, first of all, I did pass 6,000 followers. That is true. But the last part of that was I'm not going to fucking abuse people. So. I, I was I was only saying you passed 6,000 followers because I passed 7,000. So I oh, just want to bring that up as well just to see how much better I am. Than no you. hassle. No hassle. <laughs> Nick Williams wants to say, surely Nick Diaz and Lawler are 205. Yes. All of the yeses. Yes. Yes. Five, but they have to fight. If that fight, that's another reason, actually. I should have brought that up in the, in the original chat. That's another reason why Diaz and Woodley makes no sense. Diaz and Lawler has to happen. Without a doubt. Number two. Save it for 209. UFC 209. I uh, have the rematch then. Stop have the rubber the, match. The rubber match, yes. Mm. Just get it in as quick as possible. Patrick Sheehan, the cooler Sheehan brother, would like to know, who would you like to see Venata fight next? We talked about that last week. Well, we actually didn't talk about who we'd like to play him by next. And I think the point here is as well... He says, is it Sage Northcott? No, because Sage is... I think Venata's going to go down to featherweight. He's a natural featherweight. He just uh, fought a lightweight for that one fight. I was thinking about this. Do you know what would be a good fight? Jeremy Stevens. Oh, like that fight. R. R. Here, I'm about to blow your mind. Do 
Ho Chai. The Korean Superboy. We'll take it. Margaia Rodriguez. How about that? On their teammates, they can't. There you go, all of them. Or Mirsad Bektich, my boy Mirsad. Your no boy. Yeah, my boy Mirsad is Team Sheehan. Mirsad Bektich is going to become a champion in the next 18 months. Let's be honest here. It's just Didn't he, you say that after the Sweden fight as well? I did, but he... he <laughs> hit a slope. Team. He's only fought like twice since then, I think. So, yeah. Mirsad is coming back, though. He's going to do it. Pizzi's Dealer, our new favourite Twitter page. What's next for Tug Rose? Is it a Kooky Monster rematch or a fight with Claudia? Uh, you know what? I wouldn't mind seeing that Cookie Monster rematch. That that's a good shout there. Although, may, yeah, maybe not at this stage. Um, wouldn't mind seeing her fight Joanne Calderwood. Not that I wouldn't like to see her fighting Claudia. No, no, not Claudia. Um, why is Pizzi Carroll such a grumpy shite from Niall McGrath? It's probably because he's so busy, and he's a writing is a writing is a pen in the hole. If <laughs> <laughs> I I speak my experience here, right? There's a bit in the hall, and PZ has to do loads of writing, so I'd be fucking fairly grumpy as well if I have to do as much. He writing. is, in fairness, though, he does a lot. To be yeah. fair, um, da, da, and he's da. a prick as well. Like he's a prick. Let's be honest there. Kevin Connolly, the reason you didn't get replied to is because you're in England. So this, as I said, the severe podcast t-shirts the severe t-shirts will be available through our social medias in the next day or two when you're listening to this podcast head on over and you'll see it martin wants to know or marty latta our uh listener from the u.s i believe i enjoy questions from martin what does sean sheehan have against dublin from everything i've heard it's a lovely city the most terrible place in the whole world it's just so busy and dirty and old and everyone's on drugs and like I don't know, I just hate it. Oh my god! <laughs> what? Like I'm just thinking, like how many people that listen to this podcast from outside of <laughs> Ireland that don't understand what you're talking about when you're talking about Dublin? Because it's actually nice. It's not nice. It's fucking terrible. What are you talking about? Oh, Barry O'Sullivan wants to know what's the your Lewis conspiracy is the best thing about Dublin because <laughs> you can just go through it without actually being in it. <laughs> You could just or the M50, it. you can go around it without having to go through it. You could just look out at all the all the just the, the rotten people and the rotten, pla- <laughs> rotten places in Dublin. Barry O'Sullivan wants to know that. what's your conspiracy theory that actually seems the most believable. Your Patrick has been mad about the moon landing being set up for the last couple of weeks. Really? Ah, uh, like. He showed me this video and it's the biggest bullshit. He'll actually kill me now for saying this, but it's the biggest bullshit video ever. Like he's pure, he's dead cert. He thinks it's right. He thinks Sandy Kubrick filmed it in a in a studio in Hollywood or somewhere like that. I don't. Uh, I I disagree with him. Oh, it's the fuck. What do you think? Is there any any conspiracy theories you believe? So in? I actually love conspiracy theories. I'm I used to, but I'm okay. I def like, I definitely believe. That there's so much stuff that's been covered up in the world that we have no idea about, or things that have had like I definitely believe governments have planned attacks. They have, I, like that's. I definitely yeah. believe shit has happened to give comp- uh, countries a reason, like the Clinton stuff that's all coming out online now, Sean. Yeah, like weird. when I I watched a 19 minute video the other day of all the things that Hillary Clinton has been accused of doing. In the past, and one was like when Bill became president, they fired the travel company of the White House and appointed their best friends in the position instead. Do you know what I mean? Like, just 
That's, funnel- poli- that's politics 101, Andrew. Yeah, sure. are Who are you talking to? Who are exactly. you talking to? Exactly. Anthony Smith wants to know, do you know of any good caves to explore around the country? I have a man cave here out the back. <laughs> we never explore a few bottles of weekend inside there. But otherwise, no. <laughs> Uh, here, here, hold on. Just speaking of conspiracy theories, as well, I, I've been gone mad into OJ the last couple of weeks. OJ Orange Simpson. juice, no oh. juice. Yeah, the, the OJ Simpson. But I watched the um, ESPN Thirty for Thirty documentary, and I watched all ten episodes of The People vs OJ. Both highly recommended. The the former a lot better than the latter because they, you know your man Kim Kardashian's father was like part of his legal team. And he was friends with him and stuff, and it keeps showing like little you know like ten year old Kim Kardashian and all, and they're like at one stage they're like chanting Kardashian, Kardashian. It's so like it's so see through, but it's it's apart from that, it's it's really good. Definitely watch it. But like there was parts of that. That were he was definitely set up in bits of it, you know. There was evidence planted and stuff in that, but he was definitely guilty as well at the same time. But they tried to make him look more guilty than he was, and that's why probably why they lost in the end. And uh, you know, the doc, the ESPN documentary shows it very well as well. It's the whole, you know, the whole um, black movement and stuff in in LA around that time, you know, around the LA riots and stuff like that, and him getting Johnny Cochran on his team and stuff. It's it's fascinating. I definitely. Anyone, if you're looking for something to watch, watch those too. Watch the documentary and watch the, the dramatisation TV show. David Downey would like to know, now that Tip are a superpower of Gaelic football, mm-hmm. should they and Kerry and other elite teams set up a Champions League-style competition? Uh, yeah, um, Sky, if Sky football, Sports have anything to do with it. I, I have a great theory for football. Right, Football should do this. There should be four leagues, right? You have... Uh, league 1A and 1B and then League 2A and 2B right the f- top two teams from the top two leagues go into the semi-finals you play or, or even the top you know the top two the winners of each league go into the semi-finals and then the other four teams second and third and second and third play each other in the quarterfinals to get to the semi-finals and then you have the All-Ireland champion right and then you have relegation you do the same with the bottom two leagues and then you have relegation and promotion as well I think that's a lot better way of doing it you get people you get them playing more games uh, like look at Loud and like Limerick and all those these football teams. They have two games a year, like, and you're training for like eight or nine months to play it's two fucking bullshit. games that you lose. It's bullshit. Like, let them have eight or nine games a year. Let them have ten games a year. Like, there's, I, I find no problem with that. You have to move it to a league system. It's different at the Hurland maybe because the Hurland there's fewer teams and stuff. You know, it could be done better. There's kind of already kind of two leagues in Hurland because, um, you know, um, Connacht and Ulster have kind of been amalgamated with with Linster a little bit so that's not as bad but in football it definitely be, needs to be a league system heard go. it here we should, first we should start a sports podcast Andrew I think that'd be good well <laughs> GAA no thanks I like it but it kind of it kind of uh, fits into our next question from Eamon McLean Champions League question mm-hmm. if United played Limerick and Arsenal played Dundalk who would you support or would it, would we support our hometown teams I'd support United no affinity towards Limerick at all. My general football love has eradicated to the point that I would watch it, yeah. but would watch it from an interesting point of view. Here, Andrew, I'm after. I I won a big bet there to begin that Dave Fogarty just shot all over. What did you win? I well, I oh your golfing bet. That golfing bet, yeah. I put it in the, the podcast account, and I was like talking about it all week, like. I, myself and PC were talking. And I said Bra- Brandon Grace. He's fifty to one. It was after first round. Brandon Grace's me. cousin. Back him each way, and he finished fourth, and I won. He like he was fifty to one, so I won ten to one odds. And Dave Fogarty is like, "Oh, you're shit. That was only a shit bet, and all this." He went pure heel. Have that, Dave. 
Fuck's have sake. that. Or Davis, I was giving out about us being mean to him. Now he was so mean to me. I was uh, crying myself to sleep last night. But anyway, yeah, what was I talking about? Oh yeah, Limerick are playing tonight. Like Limerick earned Division One, right? And they have, I think they've played like eighteen games. They've won seventeen and lost, or no, and drawn one. They haven't lost a game all season, and they're playing in the league in cup tonight against Derry, who are like third or fourth in the league, and they're like three to one to win. I backed them. I've backed them plus one. Derry so are Premier by, League, though, aren't they? They have to win by at least two goals, and I got them on like nine to one or something, like that, or seventeen to two. So yeah, almost nine to one. There you go. So there you go. I just had a little bit of a horrible moment because I'm scrolling up towards the top of the questions. Our last six media on the podcast: me and Gad, severe podcast, a mm-hmm. selfie that I took, a selfie that I took, severe podcast, and another selfie that I took. Nice. Probably should stop that. David I promised people selfies all last week from you, so there. Yeah, so that's with. okay. David Nuddy wants to know should he get a chicken fillet roll or a healthy salad for his lunch tomorrow? Chicken fillet roll. Salad if you're near chopped in Dublin. Yeah. Go there. Cahill Pendra's place. Otherwise, nice chicken fillet roll will do you lovely. Um Kino or Kino Connell, now that the suspension is up, who will Nick Diaz fight next? Robert Lawler. That's about it. Um Ryan O'Connor wants to know when was the last time both of us got really, really pissed? Uh, when was the last time I got really pissed? Last time I got really pissed was when my friend actually funny you should say it. JJ just texted me there with a question. Last time he was down in the man cave, we were I think we were watching fights, we were watching something like that. I wasn't that really pissed actually. But I was I was yeah, no, I wasn't. When was the last time I got really pissed? I don't know, it's a long time ago. You've never got really pissed anyway, have you? Never. He t- he t- he texted me there. Um, discuss why Paul Pogba hasn't been signed yet Andrew why hasn't Paul Pogba been signed yet so from my understanding okay this agent that is signed with the agent of Pogba's is meant like Fergie's meant to hate him he does and apparently Fergie refused to sign any of his players while he was there and one of the big power moves that Mourinho made when he came in was yeah Ferguson's not having a fucking say in who I'm signing if I want to sign one of this boy's players, I'm signing him. Yeah, he's and he signed Mkhitaryan as his player and as well, Zlatan, yes, Zlatan as well, player, yes. yes, yeah. So like these hundred million signings don't just happen overnight. I think, uh, I think it'll probably happen this week, hopefully. Brandon from New Jersey, Sean wants to know why are you over more than him? <laughs> she because fans, I'm sorry, Brandon. She fans, yeah, the she fans, the Sheehan section, she in section, Sheehan section. I can't even say my own name now. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm a good baby face. Like, I'm a, like a heel baby face. I'm like, remember CM Punk that time when he was kind of really mean, but people still liked him. Yeah. That, that's like me. Or The Rock, when The Rock went heel and people still It doesn't him. matter what you think. Oh. What about The Rock saying he'd run for president in the yeah, future? He's all fucking talked. He isn't his fuck, Sean. Dwayne Johnson is the best man in the world. John Cena should be president. He, as I said in the Twitter during the week, he fits every bill. Who's that? Can, John Cena. It's John Cena! <laughs> but he can speak well, and he loves America. That's all you need. America. Merc. I bet you John Cena loves guns. Before we finish, Sean, do you think we're watching the start of a horror movie? Like an actual, real-life yeah. Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton sort of thing? I like. think... Like I think Hillary would actually be worse than Donald Trump. I think Donald Trump is all talk, and I think when he gets in there, no one will let him do anything. But I think Hillary knows politics so well that she'll actually be able to do stuff, and that 
bodes worse for actual Donald Trump. Like, I think Donald Trump will look bad and it'll be like a PR disaster and he'll be gone in four years. But I think Hillary will be there for eight years and it'll be like George W. Bush just like ruining the world again. Yeah. There's also the aspect that if Donald Trump became president, effectively, he could be the last president. Like, if ever there was a reason to change the way a country was run and things were decided on, it would probably be Donald Trump getting elected as president. Yeah. Like, because this is the... Like, America... They like to think that they're a union and they're all together and it's, yeah, it's 52 states. But really, they're 52 different fucking countries. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, that, like, we're at a stage in the world where however many people cannot be controlled under one system and one person. Do you know what I mean? Like, California needs to be its own country. Colorado's already doing its own thing by legalizing marijuana and letting people do whatever they want. Mixed martial arts was illegal in New York up until last year. Do you know what I mean? It's probably legal to marry brothers and sisters in some in some states. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, oh, you're, I'm just listening to a rant. Yeah. You're dumbfounded, are you? Dumbfounded. Yeah, that's a good word, actually. What well, do you think? Do we are we going to make America great again? Sean and Andrew should run for presidency. Gonna, we're going to keep America shite. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Donald Trump should just rename his campaign. It's not make America great again. It's keep America shite still. <laughs> that's the Irish version of it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, have, we uh, more, have we one more question before we go? No, we don't actually. Alright, let's go. That so. was it. What I was going to say is that that's very much an Irish look on politics. Do you know what I mean? You Like, everybody should just be honest. Boys, I have no interest in changing anything, but I know if I get re-elected to the doll, I have a fucking pension for life. Yeah. And realistically, good. ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to take anything from the world and how it's run, it's that people are out for themselves. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Why would you? If you were an elected politician Sean and you knew you were being re-elected in a year and a half why would you try push through something that could potentially lose favour for yourself and cost you getting a pension for the rest of your life you wouldn't you would not 100% dropping truth dropping knowledge every Tuesday every Monday Severe and May podcast my name is Andrew McGann hold on hold on just before we go oh god we forgot the fucking Yair Rodriguez Casillas fight that's going to give you a good fight watch it Yair this weekend gonna, yeah this weekend <gasps> Yair Rodriguez is going to throw spin and shit and he's going to kick Alex Serres in the face but, but Bruce Leroy is going to throw spin and shit and kick Yair in the face yeah I have a very big preview of it coming out and it goes in depth I got into this fight a lot so, so I read that Dennis Bermuda's fighting Ronnie Jason as well and fuck all else is on that card it's terrible uh, Cub Swanson's fighting Tatsuyo Karajiri as well so that should be good but Andrew take us out oh my god what? Eddie Alvarez versus Khabib the Eagle Nurmagomedov in the works for Philadelphia. Serious? Where did you see that? It's on. It was just shared on my Facebook page. Nice. Shared on Facebook. I will just. Khabib's going to be champion. So, yay, my boy! Team oh Sheehan is finally God. getting the champion. Can you imagine how bad you're going to be if Wonderboy and Khabib are both champion at the same time? Deadly, wouldn't it? Okay, deadly. Francis Ngannou, and it's only a matter of time before he wins the the heavyweight belt as well. Oh my God, Sean! We did get one last question just as we're talking. <laughs> oh, as people seem to be sending us a load now as we're trying to finish, but all of the talk of burgers last week. Have either yeah. of you ever heard of a whirly burger? 
No. Eric Campbell. No, me neither. And do you know where Shane Kiley wants to know to finish the, <laughs> the podcast? Oh, yes, go on. Do you know where he could find a Charizard in the North Kerry, West Limerick area? <laughs> no idea. No idea. You're actually, uh, your boy Shane Heffernan there was asking questions about you the other day. Yeah, I was and, getting questions off uh, him on Snapchat he, drunk he said, as well. He said he's three uh, Tinder dates this week, so best of luck on that, Shane. No, I was told he only Dan's, had two. I heard Dan Stritch is known anyway, that's what I heard. Dan Stritch uh, th- isn't on Tinder, I don't believe. I, see, no, I saw uh, Shane Heffernan was at the GA last week, last the other day, with a pint in his hand on Tinder. And he was delighted with himself because there was going to be so many girls in the area. You know, because it was at a yeah. GA match. He'd get more <laughs> swipes. Two great men. Great he's men. In, he's some impresario. That's that Shane, uh, that Shane Heffernan is. If, uh, he's what a What? Impresario. What does that even mean? Is that fight right? It's like a ladies' man. No, a Lothario. No, but uh, hold on. Yeah, you might be right. Lothario, I believe, is the word you're looking for. But uh, either way, if you want to get in touch with us over the next week, if you want to leave a question, if you want to tell us how bad, shit, indifferent, good, excellent, crap, or worthless this podcast was this week, ladies and gentlemen, send a tweet to at Severe MMA Pod. At Severe MMA, he's at Sean Sheehan, BA, I'm at Andrew McGahan underscore. Episode 79 in the books, we are closing down on the big triple digits. Impresario is Spanish for entrepreneur, so yeah, totally the wrong word. <laughs> I, but you know what I mean, anyway. I thought it could have been the Spanish for impotent, to be honest, at the start, <laughs> but I didn't want to just jump in there. Well, I don't want to ruin, ruin Shane Heffernan's rep because he's three dates this week. Best of, look, best of luck on your dates this week, Heffo. Keep us updated, we'll... Uh, We'll, uh, we'll update the listening masses next week. And again, if you have any sort of stories you'd like to share with us during the week, maybe you're having troubles in the bedroom. Sean Sheehan is excellent at giving advice on that. About um, r- fucking, I don't know, Shane Heffernan's going to pull three girls this week because of the advice Sean has given him. Yep. So Sean Sheehan, BA over on Snapchat. Send, if you need to send pictures of the conditions that you're suffering with as well, he will only gladly... Only <laughs> <is only laughs> female <laughs> Okay, we'll see. Oh, no, God, you finish it. Yeah. But, but tell him where to follow us, Andrew, before we go. At Sean Sheehan BA over on Snapchat. I'm at Andrew McGahan. Severe MMA Pod is over on Facebook page. Sean Sheehan went live. Facebook Live is the future over on the Severe MMA Facebook page as well. We're everywhere. We are. And do you know what? What? We'll see you next Tuesday.